13 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I am Eddie Cohn, host, creator of the show. It's a gorgeous, beautiful day here in Los Angeles. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are. It's Sunday here. I'm recording this intro. And you are in store for a great conversation, thoughtful conversation with my guest, Lee Hester. I spoke to Lee a couple weeks ago. And I think there's a bit of irony here because, you know, I probably have this sort of odious, uh, contemptuous attitude towards, towards social media and technology. I mean, I'm not a Luddite. I certainly love my tech. And I certainly understand the convenience factor of technology and social media. But then once we go beyond that, sort of that layer, then I do often think about how technology is impacting and social media is impacting you know, human-to-human behavior, conversations, our ability to listen and sit still, even our ability to create and, you know, what inspires us. So saying all of that, ironically, I saw a post on Facebook that Lee posted a few weeks ago, and he also posted this beautiful new song um, that he wrote. And so I reached out to Lee on Facebook, and I asked him if he'd be a part of my show, if he'd be a guest on my show. So I think it's a great talk. And this is actually going to be just part one because we only dive into a certain area. I wanted to ask Lee about his biography, his backstory, how he got into music, but we didn't even get into those subjects. So I'm going to have Lee back on the show in a couple weeks. So part two will post in the next few weeks. But here's part one. And, and by the way, all the music on today's show is from Lee's band side project called Too Far Moon. And I'm really excited to say we get to end the show today with a demo of that new song. Uh, and, I, and I call it quote-unquote demo because I think it sounds beautiful. To me, it, it sounds pretty much done. I, I always think as an artist, sometimes demos can sound better than the final product. So I'm very curious to hear what Lee does with this song. But so, uh, so anyway, today's episode. All the music is from Lee's band, Too Far Moon. You can find Lee on social media at Lee Hester or Too Far Moon. But I think it's a great talk. And I think we dive in and talk about creativity, inspiration, um, the duality and the confusing elements of tech and social media. I think it's very complicated. I think, have we reached a point yet where maybe all of this information is just superfluous at this point. Is, is it taking us away from the intrinsic qualities of sitting still, turning inward, listening? I think um, technology can be beautiful and can be incredibly helpful, but I also think it can sort of create a firestorm. Uh, it's sort of insidious. It's very subtle if we're not careful. So Lee and I talk about these important topics and I'm just thrilled that he was a part of the show. We'll have him back on in a few weeks. Again, you can find Lee at Lee Hester or Too Far Moon on social media. As for me, if you've not listened to the show yet, I'm thrilled you're here. You can find me on social at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I'm also a musician. All my new music is on Spotify and iTunes. And I just wrote my first book, which just came out on Amazon about two months ago. It's called Sexy Spiritual AF Yoga. It's a satire uh, about our culture and, of course, yoga. So 
Lee, thanks again for taking the time to be a part of the show. It really means a lot. If any of you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends or head over to iTunes or Google Play and write a review. That would be incredibly helpful. And that is it. Thanks, Lee, again for taking the time. And thanks, as always, to all of you for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. backtrack eventually and, and you know get into a bit of what inspired you and a, a bit of your musical backstory but I will say it was the combination it's interesting like Facebook is a far off in the periphery of my world like I, I don't use it very often uh, Instagram I use quite a bit to post about what I'm doing but I, I don't scroll and use it as sort of a tool to, to add information to my life. With that being said, the combination, and we'll get to your song eventually. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that eventually. But the combination of that song that you posted and this post that I'm going to read, and then I promise I'll turn off my phone. Um, <laughs> the combination of those two, I really resonated with you, and I felt it was important to talk to you and hear a bit of your perspective on the world. But let me read this, and then we'll chat about it. Uh, it's been really hard to find a path to self-promotion when there was a war and innocent people that are being murdered by the thousands. When our country is breathing so much hate into the air, when I just get so tired of hearing me, me, me everywhere, when everything seems to be falling apart and not enough of us are fighting to keep it together, when I feel helpless but I want to help. Man, this shit is hard. And I think about my son and his point of view, his experiences, and how he is being impacted at his age. So I'm just going to write love songs to the world, to my friends, and to my family, and to my son. Um, beautifully said, and I'm, I'm curious what was going on where you felt um, the impulse to, to write that. That obviously was probably the first week of the war that the invasion of Ukraine, sure. the Russian invasion of Ukraine, I, I believe that that was probably within the first week. Um, so, you know, I don't really know how to articulate it, but where I, where I'm at right now is in a very different place professionally and personally than where I think I have been in most of my career and most of my life. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that's a whole, that's like a deep dive. But to, to that post regarding that post and your question, um, as you have mentioned it, I mean, for months and months, I think that I would get on Instagram mostly. And every single post was my record my video, my travels, my, I don't know. It just hit me. Cause I was like, I would, I would see these 
these because I, I follow some photographers who are in Ukraine, yeah, who are documenting like actual real things that are happening and and it's devastating. It's been devastating t- to see. So you see that and then you see these, you know, puppy ice cream posts, you know, and then you and then there's more war and then, you know, there's all the stuff that's happening here, all like the all of the stuff that we have yeah. in our own country that we're navigating and i think it it just hit me like i was so broken i think on that day i was just thinking about like where's my place in all of this but what do i want to be in all of this yeah like where where not just where am i but who am i in all of this and i've never really been one to hey look at me i'm great you know like i've never really been that way um and that's not going to change. But yeah, I think that it, that's just what it was. And then, you know, I've, I've got so much, you know, my son's 13. And so I've got, I'm having these conversations with him. He's old enough to where he, he knows what's going on. Yeah. Like he, 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 you know, I, I can't, I'm not really protecting him from information anymore. He's coming to me saying, I want to talk to you about this or he's struggling with something that is happening in the world because he he's of that age, you know, he's starting to develop he's you know, he's becoming a young man. Yeah. You write pop songs and you write emotional songs and you write film, you know, film and TV songs and you write all these other things and I think in that moment Eddie, I was just I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know I have so like there's something that has to come out. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. And I think just in that moment, I was like, the only thing because I, you know, over the last couple of years, there have been a you know, man, there's been lines have been drawn in the sand. You know, so many people have like, I mean, it's absolute, right? Yeah. Like views and perspectives, and you know, I'll I'll keep it general, but from within my family and friends, like it is, it's been really hard. And so I think in that moment, I was like, the only thing I know that I can do is speak love because love only does great things. I'm sorry for the phone call. I know it's all my fault. Similarly to you, what I'm thinking, um, I've I've certainly been a part of, of the the noise as I look at the world and talk about the world, and I think what I'm feeling, and I think it's, I think it's the shootings that have ultimately made me feel very similarly to you, and I I was watching the Democrats 
and the pundits and the newscasters talking about uh, more laws, more age restrictions, which I'm, which I'm all for, and the Republicans, and, you know, again, I, I'm, I don't align to either side. Uh, the Republicans saying that it's, uh, we need more security, and Ted Cruz is talking about, if only the door was locked, and this is all mental health. And I'm thinking to myself, if they both can't collectively say that it's a combination of both, that like we, we need to have a serious heart-to-heart discussion about mental health in our society, and if we can't like collectively see that at this point, um, and I, I have friends that have guns, and, and I'm supportive of people having guns, but I, I just think when... And then I read an article where... So we're all, and then, so there's that layer. And then people, (laughs) millions of people are obsessed with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard right now, as opposed to like reading or, uh, you know, enhancing their perspective and their knowledge. And then to your point about people on social media talking only about themselves, I finally sort of... I hit a tipping point where it's like, I I can't, there was an article Barry Weiss, somebody wrote in her Substack where there's nothing we can do to change what's going on with the world. It's too big. It's like, like you can't change human nature. We are in this direction. We are like on somebody, uh, the analogy was we're on a runaway train. So yeah. if we are all on a runaway train, <clears throat> um, what do, what do we do? And I, and that's something that, I've been thinking about a lot, and that correlates to this idea of love, and it sounds so simple, it can sound hokey, but I do believe that um, less noise, less looking at the news, because it's a cesspool, it's not news anymore, it's just opinions, and it's to create anxiety and to create fear, which it's doing, it's winning. And I think we really need to think about and, and, you know, meditation, slowing down, uh, smiling, you know, having face-to-face conversations. And you're a father. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think that's why I was resonating with what you wrote. And then when I'm seeing this horrific tragedy happening in Buffalo and then Uvalde, and then it's, it's becoming political and it's like sides and it's like, okay, so clearly nothing's going to change. We're on a runaway train. So what are we going to do? What does Hollywood do? Like I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about. Well, what do you mean? Saying, like, what you, do you saying mean? that? So like, what? So like, th- think about a movie. There's a runaway train, and you're like, man, this is this is not this is not going well. And like, everybody on the train, you know, there are people who they believe they're going to die. There are people who are trying to desperately get off of it. There are people who are like just, you know, psychologically paralyzed because of the trauma that's happening around them in that train. Yeah. They feel that they have imminent, you know, they're going to be plastered on something imminently. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then you have, what happens? You have a hero. Hmm. You have, you have somebody who somehow by the end of the movie stops the train. We've got it in us to be able to rise to that moment. 
we're not all going to. No. But but I feel like so like you know when you're talking about the runaway train, it's like there are times where I've def- definitely felt hopeless. Where I've definitely like a lot of my you know upbringing experiences kind of collided in 2020, um, and then beyond. And there have been moments, Eddie, where it's like, why, why, why even? No one's listening. No one cares. Yeah, I, no one, no one cares. Like people want to argue, and people want to. They just want to be right. Hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, like over anything else, like it, like it is. But then also, we don't have. I think you you either mentioned it. I listened to your your most recent podcast today, the one that you just I think that came out this mm-hmm. week. And you made a comment about the, you're the kind of person that you still want to hear people's voices. You still yeah. want to have those like real conversations where it's not texting and it's not like it's actually you're engaging and it's in real time because yeah. that's that's a whole it's almost like a, a, a lost art on, on most of us now, yeah. you know, or on, on a lot of us. I won't speak for, you know, the world, but um. So what I've experienced, what I've observed is that even in our disagreements or even in debating, like we can't, we really can't have positive debates or accept criticism of any kind anymore because everything's so polarized. Everything is so, it's one or the other. That's a bad place to be. Um, Yeah. And it's funny, the funny thing is, is that, I think because we as humans are spending more time in a technologically centric world where it's 140 characters or less, or it's a quick comment, or it's it's an emoji, uh, or it's a thumbs up, I think we are becoming somehow less forgiving, more critical, more steadfast in our position, and I think that's why what you're describing in the world of we can't, you know, be have debates, we can't have face-to-face conversations and differ, and then we, you know, stand up for ourselves and take things personally, and then it gets very ugly and argumentative. I think if you spend more time in a technologically-centric world, uh, and then when you actually sit down and talk to somebody, I think it, it's... Fucking, it's fucking with the uh, signals, and I think it's why a lot of that is happening. Yeah. So we all know, like, you know, that narcissism has kind of become America's best friend. Yeah. Like, it's like your buddy. It's like everybody's buddy now. <laughs> not, not everybody. But, you know, the, the thing that I've observed, and some of it's great. Like, I, I do love keeping up with people. I love posting pictures of my kids so my family can see and like, like there's there there is there was a the beginning of all of this was there was I think everybody saw it in a in a positive light everybody saw it in a in a in a way that kind of connected people together who weren't living together like family sure. you know distance and things like you know things like that and you're just curious and interested and you can see what everybody's doing all day or like <laughs> every hour or like you yeah. know I mean some people I I remember like a decade ago, I was reading an article, and I'll get to my point. I was reading an article about 
Instagram and that like they were talking about like the most successful way to, to, to build followers on Instagram is that you have to like post like every hour and you have to like, <laughs> you have to have like that people were like rededicating their lives and their existence on a time schedule of, you know, yeah. of this stuff, of posting stuff. Um, but so back to the whole narcissism thing, not, not all of us are like that. Not all of us, you know, and that comes back to mental, that's a mental health thing. Yeah. But really what, social media, all the platforms are, it, it's really just a megaphone. We've all just been given megaphones. And we've all been given like a, a reverse microscope, I guess, or like, you know, to where it's like everybody from far away can like zoom in on yeah. little you, you know, and like see everything about you. And, and, but you get to paint the picture. You get to present to the world what, it's like all the highlights of you. It's like all the, yeah, but you know, to your, I, I, it, it's, it, it's yeah. And, and I think that, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, I was just thinking though, to your point earlier, the greatest conundrum though is, is that that is going on. But in addition to, I'm also noticing a world where people don't care. So you've got this world of people that are talking and the microscope is on them, but they're doing, I, I know, a, I, I wrote this in a newsletter. I, I friends with somebody who's really close to a very, very uber successful singer songwriter. And, and even he who sold millions of records put out a record and it's become very clear that people didn't care. And, and he thought it was a great record. So right. there's this strange duality happening where you, you've touched on it. You've got the megaphone of people and the microscope is on them, but it's also to a world where people are it's seemingly not really caring anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, which brings up the question, why do people not care anymore? Yeah. And, you know, I, I've been thinking about this. I had a conversation the other day, you know, to, it's really hard work. Well, this is kind of a two thing. It's really hard work to make a great record. Like you can't, you can't just sit down and get on splice and make something that you may think is great because everybody's using it. First of all, like it's all being used. But I remember, you know, like I'm trying to get back to like, why do people not care anymore? Because I feel like 20 years ago, we all cared. Hmm. Yeah, I know I did. Like, I mean, we stood in line around the corner at tower records to get the freaking, whatever new brand new record we had to wait till midnight to get it yeah right or like there was this it was such a special thing to be able to go see a band play like it was like a it, it was i don't i just don't think that we took any of that for granted i think it was just different like i don't know what it was but um you know it's a it's a microwave music kind of life now, you know. I, I'm sure that you've you've talked about that where it's it's. You know, the other thing too is is, you know, platforms like TikTok, where, or I guess what's you know Snapchat and I guess Vine was like the really the mm -hmm. very first, like, little you know micro clips, of whatever. But um, 
our attention span. It's like, it reminds me of the movie Idiocracy. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, no. but I, I just, it's interesting. Um, but a friend of mine who is in publishing, he's, he's on the, like the industry side of it. He's not like an artist. He's mm-hmm. on the, I guess, corporate, whatever you would call it, that side of it. Um, a few months ago, we got together and he was ready to walk away. He's been in a, I don't know how many years he's been in it. Major publisher, like major, 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 like one of the top three. And he said, literally their A&R department, all they're doing all week is collecting TikTok metadata. Wow. And they give it to their boss who on Friday listens to, I don't know, 500, 1,000 accounts or songs or snippets or whatever to try to find the next thing, to try to find the next investment, to try to find the next, you know, whatever. And so, you know, to, to that thought of why do people not care anymore? Things, things that are valuable are things that we care about. When I look at you, I lose my breath. I get lost between my heart and my head All I know is how you made me feel Tell me do you want it to be real I don't want to waste your time I just want to change so important i believe to live in a world where artists or art is being paid and not beyond be and beyond the subscription model of of netflix and 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 spotify because if we have less artists and it's not that we are doing it to make a million dollars but it certainly feels good to live in a world i believe where artists are being paid for their work sure and I think because those subscription models have stripped the quote-unquote value of music, and uh, I think it's uh, a very slippery slope, and I think it's sort of creating this strange sort of uh, tragedy in, in the world of art. And, and I, I know there are people that break through, and, uh, but I think there's a specific type of artist, an introverted artist or somebody who doesn't like to be in front of the camera. Like, I think there are artists out there who I think if they love to be out in front of the camera all the time, because then they can do the YouTube channel, they can do the TikTok videos and they're just like constantly on it, on it, on it, uh, have at it. But I, I just, I don't know. Is that the type of artist that we're, that, that we want more of in the world? Yeah. Well, you know, you look back, I got I, conversations that I remember having with my dad and with even friends of mine back when I was in my twenties and in, you know in my thirties, like just thinking back on how I looked at music and more importantly, how I looked at artists, how I looked at those people who were creating music that I was taking in, hmm. and. The, the access is obviously an issue. Like having, you know, immediate access to every song that's ever, 
just about every song that's ever been created. Um, there's no investment because you're on a subscription. You're paying $10 a month or whatever, you know, and everybody thinks that's great because you can get every record ever made for the price of one record that we used to buy. Yeah. What, what I see happening is it's kind of, it's almost like the whole plug-in model with, you know, with software hmm. that as long as you're subscribed, you get access to all of it. But it's like the moment that you no longer subscribe, it's gone, right? You're no longer, you're, you're done with all that software. And, you know, that there's a mentality, like, like I'm, I'm trying to bring this, bring this around and connect this all because there's like three things in all of this. But I think that why people cared about music in a different way than they do now is a fundamental connection to what they heard, the moment that they heard it, what they were doing, where they were in their life, what they were experiencing, but then to be able to physically and visibly experience that in the, in the out in a live experience. And I think that people became lifetime fans and committed to um, music that was being put out there because it was because people spent two years making it and it was great. Yeah. And it was special and it was genre bending and it was like, it was like generational. It was like a record that came out that was like, you, you're, you may not get anything like this for another decade. Right. A, a movement, you know, it was like, like, I, like in, in my youth, I remember jars of clay. I don't know if you ever remember jars of clay. Oh wait. Yeah, of so, course. Yeah. Yes. So they, you know, they, they just were one of the bands that it was kind of them. And then I'll think like right at the beginning of the Goo Goo Dolls, where it's like this whole acoustic yeah. rock movement kind of happened. Right. And it like, it, it went into the 90s, you know, and like the whole 90s was, you know, kind of had a lot of the just big time acoustic music in the 90s, right? Yeah. And then, you know, obviously when Coldplay broke, like, like it was like to me, like when Coldplay came around, now granted we had like, we had Pearl Jam and we had, sure, um, you know, Soundgarden and we had, there were other, there were other bands that were doing amazing things, you know, Nirvana, all that stuff that were doing, you know, those kind of things. Um, and that was pop. Like, can you believe they actually played that stuff on the radio? Like it yeah. was like top 10, right? It was like Casey Kasem. I used to record that stuff on my little cassette when I was a kid and like sing all the songs, you know? Uh, I can't believe I said that, but, um, <laughs> you know, like, I just think like, I was so excited because I had a connection to these bands and you didn't have access. Like you got to see a website. Well, you didn't even get to see a website. Like until, what the internet was really, really yeah. booming. What, what, like, right around two thousand, like late nineties, like you know, um, and you had to pay like thousands of dollars to even have a website, and you had MySpace. Yeah. Something, you know? I, something. I, well, and it's funny. Something you're touching on that I think about a lot is is mystery. 
Like, because there's, like, constant access. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You didn't have access to, like, A, B, C, D, and E side right. songs, right? You yeah. know, like, you didn't have, oh, my gosh. It's like, like, I remember just getting up with my buddies and being like, tonight's the night. We're going down to Tower Records on, you know, on Broadway and, or wherever, I think it was Broadway, Broadway, West End, whatever. And literally, you know, waiting for the, you know, hoping that we can get in line and they don't run out, you know, they don't sell out before, you know, we can get a, get a copy of whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to, to that experience, you were only, you only had access to what was physically released because you didn't have a medium. You didn't have, you didn't have the technology that allowed you to find anything at any time and not only find anything at any time, but find all of it at any time. Like, like, you know, you, the, the, like, I remember when I, when I would go on eBay to try to find bootleg records. Yeah, me too. Right. And find like, you know, live, that's the only way that you found this stuff, man. You know? Yeah. Um, unless you had a buddy that knew somebody and it's like, Hey, I got to you know, I got it. I mean, I had, I remember getting, um uh who's the guitar player for Beck? Um Yeah, I know I don't know his name, but I know who you're talking about. And he had um he was in like uh the Grays with uh Oh anyway, I'm anyway. Um but I, I remember getting a bunch of B sides yeah. from a record that that he did this whole record, but they shelved it, right? They didn't they didn't release it. And it was like, I got this record that nobody, you know, that like, oh my God, you know, it was like amazing. And now it's like, that stuff is on Spotify. Like it's like yeah. you can find it anywhere, you know? And so I, I, the, the mystery, you know, like I think it goes back to, you know, to, I want it now. I can get it now. But music is made in such a way, you know, it's really hard to make, to make a great record. Yeah. It's hard work. And I remember, I guess I'm jumping to my artist side and not necessarily consumer side, but, you know, to go along with the mystery and with, you know, easy access versus having to wait. <laughs> There's a release date, but we have to wait three months and we're not going to hear anything but one single right. on the radio, you know, like what, two weeks before the record drops or something is kind of how it was, you know, a week or two. And, but I, I remember... I had to go into a studio because I, I didn't have gear. We didn't have gear in the nineties. Right. Pro Tools was really first starting and it was crazy expensive. And I remember saving for like six years to make my first record. Like, I don't think people, I don't think artists today really grasp how truly hard it is to make something great. Here's something that I think about. Um, I think last sort of area that we'll talk about in this in this genre of topics, but I felt like artists had the po power, like in the sense that like our culture still has this strange, absurd lionization towards actors and famous people. Sure. Uh, they're still held up on a pedestal, so we still idolize them. Uh, for sure. better or for worse. But they had a certain power where 
we would, you know, drive 10 hours to see you two in concert, like, because we couldn't watch them on YouTube or something. We didn't have a library of, of, of videos on YouTube or wherever. Um, right. They, like, people were willing to do more to be a part of their world. And, and I think that's, I, I correlate that to a certain level of power. Uh, it wasn't just because I was in awe of the edge and how he plays the guitar. Like, I, I had to be there. Yeah. Um, we still yeah. we still idolize them, but I do feel like the technology now has the power, number one, and also people's dwindling attention spans is also the power because it's forcing the artists, forcing the companies, the Netflixes to completely reshape the way in which art is distributed because they're not worried about quality. They're worried about uh, your fans are going to forget who you are if you don't put out another video or a song soon. So uh, what are you doing, Bono and Edge? Uh, let's let's just let's get this going here, or else they're, we're going to have to restart all over again. We're going to have to spend an extra million dollars on marketing. So if that's the world that even Beck and you uh, two was dealing with, uh, you know, every everybody's dealing with that, and 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 I think that's a very complicated. Uh, area to sort of digest and figure out, but I I do think that the tech world, technology, and people's dwindling attention spans, I think those two areas is sort of controlling the landscape more than the actual uh, humanity of an artist. Yep. So to hit that point pretty directly, <clears throat> from my experience in observing friends of mine. You know, I, I, so two things, I'll get to Spotify in a second. First thing is, is film and TV or really any kind of licensing opportunity. You know, I started, I I got lucky, um, to get my first placement, like way back in 2001, 2002, I think is what it was on a show called, uh, Oh, Dawson's Creek. I was going to say Dawson's Creek just randomly. That's so funny. Okay. Yeah. John, John McCulloch. He's like the godfather, like one of the godfathers of um, music supervision. Mm-hmm. I actually was able to meet him for the first time after almost 20 years of him using my music. I finally was able to get coffee with him the last time I was in LA, which was fantastic. Um, he's such a great human. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of, I'll give you a nugget on and this was the perspective from like 2002. So I made a record, I made it in my house, but I, I, I wrote it for like a year. Like I spent probably, you know, a year or more writing it. And I wrote the record because I was chasing the song, hmm. right? I was chasing a great song. So I didn't have algorithms in mind. I didn't have briefs in mind. I didn't have, I really didn't have anything in my conscience while I was making this record, except does it feel, does it feel right to me? Does it feel, is it doing something inside of me? Is it, is it, is it taking me where I thought it was going to take me? Is this, you know, it's like, 
songs have a life of their own if you let them. They will guide you and they will finish. They will, they will take you to the finish line every time if you let them. And so that was one of those records. And the whole thing got placed on Dawson's Creek. Like all 11 songs mm. eventually were placed. This is insane. So, of course, rookie mistake, I reach out to John and I'm like, hey, John, you looking for anything in particular? Is there anything I can write for? Like, I was like, because I heard these rumors of like, oh man, like sometimes you can write for scenes and like all this. It was way before briefs. Yeah. Way before. And, and I was completely indie. I was like, honestly, I was like one of the very first independent artists in Nashville to get a placement. So I asked him, I was like, got any, anything I can write for? Because I'm, I'm ready. And he was like, Lee, I just, I just need you to keep sending me great songs. Hmm. He said, don't ask me this again. Just send me great songs. Yeah. Because a great song will always find a place. Right? That was 20 years ago. Hmm. And, and so what, what, I, what I personally experienced was the place that, as an artist making a record that was really focused on what I was feeling inside. Like the, I had no outside voices. I had no outside influence. I didn't have labels. I didn't have publishers. I didn't have publicists. I didn't have managers. I didn't have anybody telling me what I needed to do. Right. I made a record that moved me. Like it, it felt special to me. Right. And that happened. Well, of course, after that record, you know what I did? I started, I was like, oh, well, I can start doing this more often. And so slowly, slowly and slowly, the whole way that I wrote a song shifted to where I eventually found myself writing for briefs and writing to try to fit something into an idea yeah. for, for picture. And though I was really successful doing that for year, you know, for, for many years, um, I eventually found myself lost as an artist. It's like, I don't even know who I am. I don't remember the last time that I've written something that actually mattered to me. That actually meant something to me personally. I got caught in that web yeah. of, oh, well, that's what I need to be doing because that's what people like. And that's where I'm going to, you know, where I was making money. And, and, and I was like, and I totally like abandoned myself. And I just put out stuff that I thought other people wanted, that I thought, uh, you know, that I thought that would fit for this or for that. And, you know, and I kind of, I kind of, laid myself my my true artist to rest you know i mm. i left it i left it behind um so i think that i see a lot of you know the sink is like the you know i mean i get nauseous when i hear that word honestly but you know <laughs> after all these years but it cuz it's everywhere like everybody's talking about it now it's something that everybody when i have co-writers are like can we write a sink song and i'm like oh god <laughs> can we just try to write a great song? Yeah. Like that's my response is, well, I'm all about writing a great song. If it gets synced then that's awesome. But I really just want to try to write a great song. 
You can change the past, it's gone. Only hope for tomorrow, you know. Yesterday in all its troubles, gonna find you in the morning, you know. I think people in their 40s, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s, although not much longer. <laughs> I think people like yeah. us, um, I think introverts, I think I'm noticing the world creatively is challenging for potentially people like us who lived in that world pre all of this, where, you know, Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden and and um, and then ninety six ninety seven OK Computer came out. Um, this was all pre the ridiculousness of social media, and yeah. I think uh, I lived with records for a long time, and I have to. Um, th- those moments don't really happen anymore. You know, I lived through my last record that I made, you know, that was, I guess, it's weird. Not only was creating a record such a cathartic but um, deep dive into my soul, but it was also sort of happening at the same time while I was also listening to A Rush of Blood to the Head and and Parachutes and lived with Parachutes for a year and then saw Coldplay before they were big. And, and I lived with OK Computer. I lived with Soundgarden, Super Unknown. I mean... These were all very three-dimensional, deep experiences. And I'm still creating uh, different products, quote-unquote, that's a terrible word, you know, different songs in different, in different arenas. But I don't, it's not juxtaposed with a world that I'm also like living and breathing art. It's, it's yeah. hard for me to find art that... that um, I breathe and live with for a year. And I, I don't know why that is. And I, or maybe that's an impossibility now. Like maybe uh, it's impossible to live and breathe a, an album for a year um, just living in this this crazy, insane, ADD, technologically-centric world that we live in. I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think to my original point, I think, Artists that are in their 40s that knew the world pre all of this, I, I think have a hard time navigating this uh, this this world right now. Yeah, I, I, I feel that, you know, when you mentioned Napster, um, you know, that that obviously was kind of that was that was when, when all of that happened. Labels. It was almost like this shift where they now had to find things to pay their rent, to pay their mortgage. So it was like, you know, it, they didn't have the money, you know, they didn't have the develop, you know, development's gone. Like, like I think when all, when that whole, when the music industry crashed, like the value of the music industry crashed Yeah. through all of that. And then, you know, now we've just kind of, you know, it's a whole new thing now, but you know, development is out the window. Like 
you don't get development deals anymore, like, or very rare. I'm sure there are some people who do, but like it is that, that was almost the first step for everybody that got a deal, whether they were a writer or an artist, the publishing side or the label side, that it was almost always the development was a part of it. Working with producers, putting, we're putting you with three different producers and we're going to, we're going to figure out, you know, like what's the best partnership, you know, and yeah. they had the money, you know, and, and I mean, I, I remember all of my friends who signed, like they did three songs and six songs and, you know, one song or two songs and, and just development deals to, to, to see what, let's just see what happens. Right. They had the money to do that, you know, and now it's like, we have to find like, Oh crap. Now we have to find something that's going to sell tomorrow because, you know, we're going to, we have to pay our mortgage. We have yeah. to, we have to come up with X amount of dollars for this month because I mean, it, it taints, you know, and you know, I, going back to, to what you said about, you know, living with records and sitting with records and being able to experience and not really having the freedom and the luxury to be able to, well, what do I want to listen to today? What do I feel like today? Well, blah, blah, blah. You know, you have, you have a million, you have, you know, we had, 32 flavors of music years ago, you know, like pick your 32 flavors. Now we have like 32 million flavors of music, you know? Yeah. Um, but I also, you know, I'm looking at the young speaking, you know, about the young people, um, you know, pop music really shifted into a thing with laptops and with beats and with, you know, like, like even years ago, pop music was like full band and like millions of tracks and like tons of production and tons of money, right? And tons of touring money. Like it was like a big bit from beginning to end. It was like huge production, right? Well, now you've got, you know, it, it's a laptop life as a producer and, a, and an artist and but it's also what they're being told. It's like, it's like what they're seeing that's being successful. They're looking, they're paying attention. They're looking at what's working and what's not working. And if there's anything that, you know, I, I can sit back and be like, well, at least they're, you know, that they're looking at trying to figure out what they can do within the realm of what they, what they are seeing as successful in this day and age. Yeah. Whereas years ago, I mean, almost every band was a shot in the dark. There was no guarantee that anybody was going to listen to your record. You know, it, I, I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, a, it, it's an interesting thing. I guess the last point, and then we'll have part two. I, this can sound very glass half empty, you know, very complainy what we've done. And, and I don't want to come across that way. And, and it's a very fine line to criticize the world, talk about the world, because I just posted or I wrote something where I actually do think we are living in the greatest period of all, despite everything that we've talked about. Mm. I really believe that. Like, there's no reason for us to not be, we have so many tools now to create with. We have so many yoga classes and food now you can eat organic now and and be vegan and vegetarian it is so easy it's easier to to live a healthier lifestyle uh potentially 
but I do think technology has sort of ripped values apart and it's complicated things. And, you know, you'll sit at a dinner table and it's a family of four and who knows what all four of those people have been looking at all day. It's, it's, it's very hard for me to find community. It's not like it, it used to be. Um, so I guess my last question and, and area that we'll talk about is, because um, I did want to talk about your past and how you got into music, but we'll save that for the next episode. What are you doing to inspire? Like we've talked about all this insane technology world that's going on. And yeah. one more story that I'll share, <laughs> because it'll relate to my question. Why I think those moments of diving deep into an okay computer um, are so valuable because they inspire. Like, I haven't listened to Ryan Adams for a few years. I haven't liked, I know he's been involved in a lot of personal stuff. Has nothing to do with that. I just haven't liked his records the last three to five years. He just put out a record about three weeks ago that I listened to the whole trip to Hawaii and back, and I've been listening to it still, and it inspired me to pick up the acoustic guitar, and I've been playing my acoustic for the last like three weeks, and I haven't played the acoustic guitar for five years. I've been all about synths and like drum machines, and and so I think that's why it's 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 not only important to you know create and and be in that world of making a record for a year, but that's why I believe it is so important to have those records that sort of live with you for six months, because for people like you and me, and I can only speak for myself, it's really inspiring, and 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 it sort of like opens up caverns and doors that you never thought you were going to go down. So despite this insane world, you know, what, what is inspiring you right now to keep creating? And cause that song that you wrote a couple weeks ago, which we'll end this, this episode with, um, and you, you'll email it to me. I thought that song was beautiful and incredible. So clearly, you know, what, uh, culturally or, or musically, you know, what is inspiring you right now to, 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 to keep writing and to create? Oh man. Yeah. That, that'll be part two. Most, a lot of that we can get into part yeah. two, but, um, you know, I, I feel like I've always, I've always been inspired in pockets mm-hmm. and moments yeah. and, and mom, moments of time where, um, like my, my too far moon, that, that whole thing was really inspired by me just focusing on four records for a really long time. And I just, you know, I, I, it was reinvention of, you know, like we, we have to reinvent ourselves. Like we can't just keep doing the same things because, because everything's evolving. You know, what people like are evolving. The, the technology is evolving, how people do things are evolving. What, what, and, and so our influences also are going to be evolving. Like sometimes we have to like, we have to we have to seek it out. Sometimes it finds us, but then sometimes we have to like we have to really dig. We have to do the work, you know, to like find something that that you know that that takes you somewhere, yeah. you know. And for me, ironically, for me, I've taken about a year off from writing. That that was the first song hmm. that I wrote in at least a year. Wow. And there's a reason for that, but um, 
I think that what inspired me to write that song, because I, I didn't hear music in my like I didn't I didn't have a band in mind or I did I hadn't been listening to something that was moving me to to create that. I walk by a piano every day. And so for, you know, for a really long time, I would look at it and be like, not today. <laughs> yeah. And I think that I wrote, the, the, the weird thing was that, it, and it was, it was after I wrote this, I started getting the idea after Buffalo, after the Buffalo shooting. Yeah. And I sat with it and I was like, oh, maybe I, I need to go. Not today, not today. I kept walking by the piano, not today, not today. And then just one day, Eddie, I, I looked at it and I'm like, okay, I'll sit down. And I, I sit down in front of it, you know, and I'm just looking at it. All right, now what? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, like, what are you going to do now? You know, and I just sat with it and, and, I don't know what happened, but I wrote that song in like 20 minutes. Hmm. And the ironic thing is that it, I finished it on, I finished it the morning before I found out, before we all found out about Texas. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't know, like, is there, is there something divine in that happening, you know, because I obviously I can't, I'm, I can't look into the future. Like I had no idea that any of that, you know, that last week was going to transpire. Um, but I think that the only thing I can say is that sometimes if we're just open, if we're just willing to be open and available to whatever may come out, and there's no agenda. Yeah. And there's no intention. And I think it kind of just stems back to that post that you read, you know, a while ago where um like I really do just I really do feel like the only songs that I'm going to write in this season are love songs. Hmm. And I'm going to commit myself to that because that's that was a genuine thing that came out and then you know i i honestly don't know that i've i usually don't write love songs that's what's ironic about it, is that i'm always about like breakups and about the you know like oh you know it's like all the gut-wrenching like you know the the songs that are you know they're inspiring but it's like heavy and like dark you know yeah. and this one is like you know what i just feel so i feel maybe that my inspiration in this season is just that, that it's like, I'm just going to pursue channeling love hmm. and only letting that come out. And that was the first song that came out of that mindset and out of that heart set, I guess, you know, so I wasn't really inspired by it, but although I will say I love the war on drugs like I've been listening to them. I've been yeah, I've been that, listening. I did not even know they you know, seriously, I'm not, you know, yeah. like like how are you a musician if you didn't know the war on drugs? But like, you know, 
I didn't know they existed literally until like six months ago. How funny. Like you and I are definitely on a similar wavelength with some random areas here because I've, I've known about War on Drugs for probably two years, but I didn't like them. But their latest record, which came out last May, it sh- uh, showed up on a playlist I was listening to. Um, and I think it's the combination of that record and the Ryan Adams record. Uh, yeah, I've been f- just floored by those two albums, and and I listened to that one, all the War on Drugs, also a lot over the last month, and and uh, boy, gosh, it's it, those it's, two albums are great. You know the 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 emotion I get from because I love the guy's voice; it's really unique. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I I honestly don't know the song names, and I couldn't sing anything to you. Well, I was trying, I was trying like to lyrically, try like to. I, I I can't even remember. I don't want to wait. Because That's it, one of the songs. I don't want to yeah. wait. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So it's the emotion that I think I connected with. Yeah. It's like I'm. I'm. I hear this kind of. I hear this love story in all of the, the War on Drugs songs, and and they're not like. It's not love and like oh this is you know mm-hmm. happy and like. It's it's just I just feel like when I when I sit back and I take that record in I'm like this is important yeah you know th- this is valuable mm-hmm. this is like at least to me but there's a lot of good man, stuff there I, I just connected with I connected with the spirit yeah in a way you know with just just the band's spirit you know and and. So I don't know. Like cool. I, I feel like it's yeah. I don't know if that that's no definitely. That's that's uh, yeah, man. Well, Lee, this is going to be part one. These are important talks, and I, I it was great to have this, and I really appreciate you wanting to do it, and and we'll get into more. And if you're up, if you, I think that just I think that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lee, appreciate it. No rush, but if you can send me that uh, demo in the next yeah, week. I worked on it today. Like cool. I, I cut a vocal today, so Great. I'll I'll put together a little bit of a mix. Um, yeah, it'll probably it's just going to be piano, vocal, and maybe some ambient. Done. You know. Yeah, I mean, no pressure, but I just I thought it would be really cool <laughs> to end this episode with that song. So, cool. Right on. Yeah, man. Well, we'll talk soon. And awesome, uh, this was it. great, and we'll do part two in the next few weeks. And I, I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. You got it. Take care, man. Later, dude. Bye. See ya. I don't know what to do I don't know what to do With all these hearts They keep falling apart Some of us do the hurting Others are left hurting We gotta stop But how do we stop Should embrace the light
Ever. 